This is all our collective mom. <laughs> <laughs> For those tuning in, you don't recognize my 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 voice, um, or you might think you're on the podcast, the the FCPGM, but no, it's actually the Grim Reader, where basically my daughters, <laughs> one by blood, <laughs> the other um, by, by, by by Zoom, yes, <laughs> and have actually, you know, um, they do podcasts where they each um, get together, chatter more than a lot, um, <laughs> roasted, and then they, they uh, kind of show each other books and they're judging the book by a cover and they must guess and it's really interesting. Yeah, so I'm here today to actually, what's the word? Put some supervise because it was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no leak, there's no leaky holes in this episode. My mom's no. here. There will be no bad language. <laughs> and all the teaspoons will be washed. Yeah, but not in a podcast. <laughs> She has a public image to uphold. The gym yeah. mama. So yes, yes. Welcome back to the Grim Reader podcast. This is my mother, Marlene, from the FCPGM podcast that she's already managed to plug in the first twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers! And that's how you do business, people. <laughs> you get your name on a mug and you drink diet coke out of it. <laughs> Nothing else, only Diet Coke. I thought it was a snazzy black coffee there. <laughs> no, 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 we'll have to put a picture of mom's uh, mom's mug on yeah. the mom's mug with her mug <laughs> <laughs> on the Instagram. <laughs> so in this episode, uh, there will be three books still. Uh, my job isn't to to tell you about a book today. My job is to annoy my mom while she tries to tell you about her book and to guess uh, Chloe's book this week, isn't it? It's just an average day in the Griffin White book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, will I introduce um, a, a beloved listener, John, has um, has something to say to um, to you, Marlene. Oh dear. Oh, I, do we know this guy? Is this an anonymous? Oh, no, um... Definitely not. <laughs> you definitely will know him after this. <laughs> That's to be decided after we find out what he's asking. Oh dear. Okay, so um, on Mom's podcast, she is beloved, belovedly known as the Gym Mama. So um, th- for some reason, um, this boy John confused Gym Mama for Agony Ant. But here we go. We have a listener question. I think a lot of people confuse that actually. <laughs> Here it is. Hi, dear mama. My name's John. I'm a 30-year-old boy from Cork. Um, I heard you're good at giving advice. Um, I have a business idea, um, but anytime I tell my friends about it, they laugh at me and they're not very supportive. Stupid business idea. (laughs) What? What do you think I should do? Do you think I should talk to them? Um, Or... Or... uh, I don't know. <laughs> I would have loved more details about what his business idea is. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, I could what? recommend somebody that he could talk to. <laughs> 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 I 
you know, like especially on podcasts. I mean, you know, definitely we we could we could arrange that. Um, <laughs> if you have a business idea, well, go for it. And sure, he who laughs last laughs longest. Oh, oh. that's good. <laughs> that's a really really bad idea, though. What if it's like? What if it's guaranteed to lose some money? Objectively bad. Well, you can't save somebody all the time. You have to let them go and try and pick up the pieces with them if you like afterwards. That is, that is sage advice. They're not going to take advice. Then that's all we can do. Yeah. He sounds like he has a great friend in the background uh, really mm. supporting him. <laughs> <laughs> I won't I won't claim that friend anyway. <laughs> I don't know anyone named John anyway. So No, no one. <laughs> He's definitely going to bully us on Twitter now. (laughs) Come join us on Twitter to watch us get roasted by the 30-year-old boy, John. (laughs) And his business plans. Probably a pseudonym anyway. (laughs) Even better than the books. Let's get to the presents. Oh, yes. Um, When my mom um, was invited to be our first guest, on this podcast, she decided to bring us gifts. So this will be a tradition going forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> setting the tone, anybody who's out there who's going to be a guest, she must bring a present. Yes. Okay. I so no we open them all at the same time. All at the same time. Where do we go? Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, this is very exciting. Oh, hello. What's a present? <gasps> oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, it's oh. oh wow. But this is not a visual medium pause. <laughs> Tim Mama has brought us. I, I think we all, do we all have the same thing? Different colors. Yeah. Beautiful bookmarks. Ever. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, oh thank so you so much. Thank you so much. It's gorgeous. Um, we love them. <laughs> thank you, Mama. Oh, they're so lovely. And the box are- and everything is so yeah. beautiful. We just had a poll on the Instagram about whether people dog ear or bookmark their books. And I was yeah, team I dog ear and I got dragged for it. So maybe I'm going to change my This way. is for the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you so, so Thank much. You. Ah. It is a new tradition going forward that we will accept gifts. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. P.O. Box. Grim Reader. <laughs> so our guest is first, Mardine. With Chloe guessing. Okay. Okay. Lads, so I've I got to send this to Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, with our usual blobs to block out any important information. Well, not important, but like <laughs> any line. information that makes the guessing game less fun. Hmm. Okay. So Chloe will Chloe will say the title and everything for you. And Chloe will guess your book. Oh. Oh, okay. So this is called An Execution in the Family, One Son's Journey by Robert Mirapol. Is that it? Mirapol. And the background, it's this kind of like beige kind of sepia photo background. Um, and we just see like the kind of edge of the photo with the young boy being and there's an arm around him being held by someone. Um, and then in the center, there's like this kind of old fashioned Polaroidy picture um, in color, but kind of that like old sepia tint um, of 
what looks like a couple or maybe it's a mother and son. I'm not really sure. And love that there's like something for me to grab onto up at the very top of it. It says inspirational, moving, engaging, should be required reading. A quote from Michael Moore. Okay, so right off the bat, right off the bat, this is nonfiction. Mm. I, it, it, it must be nonfiction. And execution in the family. I, I feel like this is a true crime book, but I... The name isn't familiar to me, Mirabal. Um, but you know, well, it's been a long time since I investigated any true crime, so who knows? Yeah, um, you've been too delicate this lockdown. Too. I've been way too delicate. I've been way too anxious to like listen to anything grim, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> including this podcast. <laughs> it's not the happy reader, um, but this book is about the son who survived. I imagine this. I might maybe the woman in the photograph who I'm gonna say I'm gonna settle with that's his mother um was killed Ooh. by the father and it's a story about his kind of yeah, his, his journey since then and like coming to terms with it like you know as like his cope like have, maybe having coping mechanisms in the past like alcoholism or you know just unhealthy mechanisms of dealing with the trauma that he went through as a child and coming out the other side dealing with his issues getting loads of therapy and maybe delving into like becoming you know I don't want to say strong enough but I think you'll know what I mean, like to kind of delve into what actually happened and see what actually happened when he was a child. So explaining the case to us and yeah, his journey since then. Hmm. Very, very eloquent. <laughs> very old. <laughs> With to... no specifics at all. <laughs> no specifics Chloe, at what all. what happened? It feels a bit salacious. <laughs> um, an execution in the family indicates to me that it was a fairly like clinical murder. An execution like, it was maybe... in the family. There was an execution. An execution. In the <laughs> but like, it was very like, I'm thinking like a beheading or something. Because it's not like a murder oh. in the family. An execution is a very like specific kind of death. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, I get like a vibe that it's clean and clinical, like you know, even like you know, a hit or something. Like a hit. Was a bad action. Yeah, exactly. That there was some something that maybe the mother did that, you know, this was seen as like its equal and opposite reaction. So, well, I mean, what? Uh, no action deserves like someone no. murdering you okay Just no but i mean coming in here like murder is bad we're not afraid to say it we are against crime Controversial. <laughs> but yeah I th- i'm gonna settle with that like i think execution is an interesting choice of word Maybe it's just to set apart from saying like a murder in the family because that's very nondescript. But unless the mom or father was executed, like I'm thinking America, do you know? They were on death row and they've been executed, mm. and that's the execution in the family. 
Oh. Oh, so different you have two deaths. Oh. Interesting. That's what I'm thinking. What I want to know though is like that sepia photo in the background of him as a child. I'm like, I I can't figure out from this where he comes into it. Like did, maybe he witnessed it happening, maybe he doesn't remember anything from when he was a child and these photographs are all he has to kind of piece things back together um yeah maybe that's it like they're the photos are all he has to kind of go by and it's only as he gets older and things like that he can actually like look into like court documentation things like that mm. but yeah I, I want I want to know the real story <laughs> well there was an execution. You are oh. right. Oh, how did you know? Tick the box. Right? Um, was it in a family? It was a, a family. Let's let's. This story is actually it fills all the criteria of me reading a book. Because you went to get schooled. I love reading history and everything like that. So um, this is a story. Um, actually, uh, Robert. Merkopol is actually the son of the Rosenbergs. Um, So his mom and dad were executed um, in 1952 in America for espionage. Yes, himself and his brother. So what happened was they, um, the story, what I loved about the book is that it sent me down a rabbit hole. So the story, I actually had to read two books. Mama is is learned. She has done the research. Because that's how good, it was really, really good. The Rosenbergs were a couple and they were a Jewish couple in America and they were um, part of like, you know, a labor party, kind of a workers party. Mm -hmm. So um, they were accused of spying and giving the cigarettes to Russia for the atomic bomb. Of course, because we're not allowed to support uh, workers in these times. No, but I think it's, I think it's because it's, it's more because like the workers party are always more, um, more, um, what's the word when, when communist Mm. type of, 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 um, of persuasion. So anyway, this couple um, were in America. They had two sons and what happened was um they had they 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 were accused of um being spies and they were were they were actually um tried and executed in 1952. now the book why it's so interesting and why i had to read two was because one book was written before 1975 and this is we are your sons and the second book, the first book is, is all with letters and everything of them going back and forth with their parents. And the second book is written after 1975, which was really, really sad because the sons wrote the book believing that their parents were innocent and that they were trying to have them exonerated. Mm-hmm. And with the Freedom of Information Act in 1975, they discovered that their dad was a spy. So the second book is kind of, you know, so it's really, the story is incredible. It sent me down this rabbit hole of finding out. And, you know, what was so fascinating is that even though the dad was a spy, I don't think he deserved, neither one deserved to be executed because 
they were spies, but, but he was a spy, but he was a spy going back to um, the World War II when he was trying to get rid of Hitler and say, and with the hey, so, and, and they, like he had nothing right. really to do with the atomic bomb because he was, he was out, out of the, you know, he, he wasn't working anywhere near there, but he had recruited Ethel, um, Ethel's uh, brother. And it was her brother that was caught first. And her brother actually gave, you know, pushed it all on, on his sister. And he's um, a snitch. Absolutely. And he actually lived till he was uh, 98. And they listened to um, an interview and they were saying, do you not regret sending your sister to, you know, to be lethal with the lethal injection? And he said, no. She was a fool. She should have made her own deal. So, oh my god! Wow! And the interesting, <laughs> there's thing, a villain. <laughs> and there, do you know? And it's, there's even a worse villain because oh, it's America. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it's capitalism. This is why this book? I think that there's more to come in the next couple of years about this story, because even on the like, the mom really had nothing to do with it. Um, and the the actual um, uh, prosecutor was the guy called Cohn. You might kind of know who he's. Mm. Um, uh, actually, Donald Trump. That's his oh. mentor idol. Oh! And he was actually... It goes all the way to the top! <laughs> all the way. So uh, they, what happened was they actually uh, really weren't interested in the couple at all, which was really terrible and they were actually more interested in getting bigger names so and they they couldn't really do anything because they didn't want the russians knowing they had so much information so what they tried to do was uh, kind of put pressure on the dad to give other names and they thought by arresting the mom and charging her as well that that might maybe um, it kind of make him turn to save his wife, but they both actually held hands and claimed the fifth, uh, played the fifth, and they didn't um, give anything, even though she wasn't involved. And she probably knew her husband was involved in these things, but herself, even when they go to the the actual, and they knew that because when even when you go to the documents that that were released for the for it, um, in the Freedom of Information Act, she was just he had a code name, but she was just his wife, referred mm -hmm. to in his wife and his wife. She really wasn't part of this. So what happened is that that you know even even uh, code he just. He just went the whole way with it. He couldn't back down. So they were the the two brothers were like um, were then um, you know it's it's kind of about how they had to be um, uh, adopted and they were actually adopted by um, the, you know the Merpaws and um, the dad there was a famous um, music writer so he would have wrote a lot of Fred Astaire's and all of these these the music for them at the time sorry and, imagine having this story to life and they <laughs> had they had like they, they, they had the most fabulous life and everything and that's why the name change um and they were very uh, very um active right up to um just before trump was elected because they were trying to get obama to exonerate their mother and um, now they were saying if they didn't, if he didn't do it before his term ended, that they would probably have to wait four to eight years to do it again, because Trump wasn't going to go against 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. No. Yeah. So is is it Abel Mirapol? Is his dad? He wrote Strange Fruit, the um the 1937 Billy Holiday. Stop it. And he was a member of the American Communist Party, but he later quit. Yeah, because you see, they 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 actually were part of the Communist Party because they were Jews, and that was the time when the World War II was going on. But they weren't, you know, they did they this they, this couple had nothing to do with the atomic bomb uh, secrets being passed, but that's why they were executed. So fascinating, that is wild. fascinating history and love that it's going to there's something more going to come out of it oh just to clarify so the first book you read like first, so you yeah. read we are your sons yeah so this was where we are with sons and it's actually a lot of the letters that she sent to the boys when when you know when she was incarcerated mm. and things like that their father back and forth and you know and they're just you know telling the story of what happened but the second book has more of the history of, and this of, is of the, actually what happened. This is the book Chloe Against an Execution in the Family. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you were to go for it again, which one would you read first? Or um, would, can they be read independently of each other? Absolutely. I would, I would go for the execution in the family because mm -hmm. that's the one I went for first. Mm -hmm. And I went back from there because okay. what happens is what I, what I love about reading is that when you read, I love to hear, go other places with it. So it's not necessary to go anywhere other than read this book, but I love to, to investigate loads of other things. Mm -hmm. Down the rabbit hole. Just, yeah, it was just, will it, give you good questions. And <laughs> I think it was more that, um, you know, it went once I knew that they that there was that that they that their their opinion had to change after 1975. I probably wanted to go back and just see how how it was at that stage. Where yeah, the, the, where the, flesh the, out the, the world. This book like tells everything. You know, Ooh, amazing. Chloe, your vague um, guessing worked. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you can't be too wrong if you just you, you were dead right, really. Like you knew it all feels, that. It feels weird. <laughs> trying to guess what I know is a non-fiction <laughs> this is true that was like sure Rebecca had something similar when you did Rodham oh yeah <laughs> total yeah. fiction though even though I it looks like actual I wouldn't even actual. known that was Hillary Clinton like I thought the pick <laughs> <laughs> she's on the cover of the book and I was like ah yeah Rodham who's the who's this stock who's character this <laughs> What do you give it out of 10, Mama? Oh, I loved it. I'd give it nine out of 10. I just loved it. I loved that. And even now, like, like how it ties into Billie Holiday. Like, I mean, the, the yeah. whole, that the song whole Strange Fruit changed yeah. the changed music world. Like, that was, um, it was like, it was supposedly banned for a couple of years because it, um, there's a line in it and basically Strange Fruit is talking about the lynchings in um in like the in the south of america mm. and um strange fruit is the metaphor he uses for um black men being lynched and hung and it's absolutely like that billy holiday recording is still on youtube and it's the most haunting, most incredible and poignant thing. And it's way back in 1937. That's literally the word I was going to use, haunting. Like, there's just no other word. No. It's... Have you seen, actually, the um, new Billy Holiday movie? No. 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 Oh, my goodness. Is the... On Sky Cinema. 
Oh, absolutely fabulous! So that's on Now TV then, if it's on Sky Cinema. Probably, yeah. it should be. Yeah, yeah. Yes. she she yeah. won the um, Golden Globe for Best Actress, didn't she? Yeah. Who's playing yeah. Billy? I don't know. The, I'm uh, not great for actresses. I think but it's really, really Audra Day or something like that. Andra Day or something. No, give you a whole pile of yellow and little else to deduce what this book oh, is about. I, yeah. I love this. Uh, it's just oh my god. Compared to what was it last week? Nikki's book would never suck a dead man's thought. <laughs> <laughs> and then this week we're like nothing to go off of. Great. Oh Jesus. Um, Chloe, did you put the big yellow blur on it? Or is that like you put the yellow blob on it? Yes. Yeah. Well, there was a yellow blob in that exact colour. Um, but I had to edit out the information in said yellow blob. Poor Rebecca. Um, I'm looking at a book cover that's been <laughs> heavily edited <laughs> by Chloe. There's been two spots um, away. So uh, what it is, is this kind of like pale yellow. Um, I'm going to say, you know, those movies that are on, uh, what's it, like TCM and things like that of like <laughs> really, really yes. bad, like Hallmark movies. That's what this is giving mm-hmm. me. There's like an old, like, I'm going to say it's in the South of America somewhere. It's a um, movie. It's, it's, there's like, I, all I can see is a bit of green um, shrubbery and like maybe a side of a house or like maybe a barn in the background. Other than that, not much. <laughs> and it's the title. I'm saying it now. It's Yay. Olive Olive Kitteridge by Elizabeth Strout. Um, and she's the New York Times bestselling author of My Name is Lucy Barton. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna that. I'm gonna go off the fact that I've got a Hallmark movie in my mind. So I'm gonna say that this Olive Kitteridge is uh, really deeply unhappy in her life. She's working in the stock market, and uh, John asked us not to talk about We Hate Men, but I'm going to talk about We Hate Men. men. (laughs) She's in a male-dominated society. Um, Her boss is horrible to her and keeps trying to like... He's a man. He's trying to like sexually harass her and like trying to make it more than a work relationship. And she's like, no, ew. Um, I feel really uncomfortable. And then the men are always like, oh, we do so much better than you because like we're built for sales and all this. And I'm like, so wait, are you telling me that she goes on a packet holiday to Greece? No, (laughs) this is different. This is a different one. So what she finds out, I'm in this like typical Hallmark movie. She finds out that this. Yeah, where is she in New York? She's in New York. She's in New York, Um, like living in Manhattan, things like that. And um, I'm going to say she's in a really bad relationship as well. Like she really wants to get married and settle down. And her boyfriend is like, no, like I'm being, I'm going to say maybe he's an artist. And he's like, I'm being me. Like if we settle down, it's going to like cut in on my creativity. My SoundCloud is going to take off. (laughs) (laughs) So she then gets um, a phone call or a letter or something from this um, lawyer somewhere in, let's pick a state. West Virginia. Okay, we'll go with Virginia. So um, she's she gets a letter from this um, lawyer anyway, telling her that um, a relative of hers, this great grand aunt or something has died and yeah, left her. an awful lot like my, my synopsis of cowgirl. No, it is not. <laughs> her great grand aunt has died and has left her her farm. And this she's like, this is not because there's no cows involved. Well, um, there might be. I haven't finished there's it yet. There's no cows because I'm being interrupted. So 
she is like she tells her boyfriend and he's like just sell the land just sell the land like we'll never need it and she's like no I want to go see it and I've never been like I didn't even know that this woman existed pretty much and she goes out and um it's it's pretty dilapidated <laughs> um like her I'm gonna say her grand aunt was like 103 or something when she died and she takes a look around and she's like it's a beautiful kind of small town and she's really finding it very endearing and things like that and anyway what she's struck by most is that like there's this gorgeous barn and um this beautiful old house and she's like wow this would be the ideal place where I want to get married do you know this this is just beautiful like a barn wedding or something like that anyway uh she rings the boyfriend and she's like look I'm gonna do it up okay we can't sell it in its current condition we won't make any money she's thinking with her business brain but she's also like I kind of need time away she's happy she is suddenly happier when she's left New York and she doesn't really know why we know why because you know get yourself out of this toxic place you've got yourself get yourself away from this man yeah all the men in her life pretty much anyway she starts doing it up and um can this be a lesbian commune I'm getting to it. Anyway, she's doing it up and um, there's this woman who passes, this other very elderly woman that passes and like stares at the house every day. And she goes out and she's like, hi, do you want to come in? She's like, no, no, no. She doesn't want to bother. And she's like, she keeps humming and staring at the house every day and like telling her like, oh, the windowsills used to be blue and it was painted white and all this kind of stuff. Like a typical, like I'm thinking. It's like the notebook. Yeah, a little bit like the notebook. And anyway, um, as she's like clearing stuff out, she notices this woman like in the middle of the night, like coming and taking the stuff out of the skip. And she's like, oh my God, stop. And she's like, if they're of sentimental value, just come in, take them. Like, were you friends with this woman? And like, she doesn't say anything and leaves. So eventually she comes across this suitcase or box or something. And in it is all these love letters. And she finds out that this woman was in love with the her granite and that they'd been hiding their relationship for all these years and she's like oh my god I've been so mean to this woman since she's like and she then tells because her because like, I'm a I, big bad New York businesswoman yeah. and I'm so mean and uh she invites her into the house and she's like look I really like you you know this to be more kind of bringing the house back to its former glory and she's like oh well I have um a grand uh grandnephew or something like that that would be great so here comes her love interest coming in and he's like a handsome Gosh. carpenter and he is luke from gilmore like, girls no, no, no i'm no, not he's, seeing that he's, um your man from schitt's creek oh tay oh moss yeah. <laughs> no i'm not seeing that at all no Mm-mm. um i've have yet to cast him and anyway she's she develops feelings for him but she's like no can't like I am in a committed relationship and she keeps trying to get in touch with her boyfriend and nothing and she's like okay so eventually um, cloud took off she flies back and finds out that she surprises him doesn't tell him she flies back and finds him cheating on her and yeah she's she's just distraught and she's she quits her job and she's like look I'm gonna actually live in Virginia this is where I'm happiest SoundCloud and anyway she sets up she sets up her own business um uh running uh weddings from the barn in the house and like um like she's um she promotes like having more gay weddings in the area and things like that and brings a lot of business to the town and like she's telling her her 
new friend, I'm going to say her name is Annie, was her grand aunt's partner. They, you know, she fully accepts her and she's part of the family and things like that. And it all ends on a happy ending with her own wedding to her carpenter. Becca. Yes. Becca. Who's Olive Kitteridge? Olive Kitteridge is her grand aunt. Ah, Okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> See, it all circles back. I thought when she Girl, got married, you... might find the field of fellows after going off with somebody else as well. <gasps> that would be <gasps> no, that's the sequel. No, no, no she's gonna live a happy, happy, Rebecca, happy life. This is this is a rare for Rebecca to write a happy book. We're not allowed to dissuade her. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get headhunted for Hallmark if you keep going like this. I swear. <laughs> I mean, if they're willing to pay me money, I'm not going to turn them down. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. It's, it's clearly not about that, but um. it, it, it's pretty far from that girl. I'm not oh, going to lie to you. I mean, you could have been further away than Virginia. Like there are further away places from where this is said than Virginia. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> um, so this book is, is Olive Kitteridge by Elizabeth Strout. Um, it was published in 2008 and it won the Pulitzer Prize. Ooh. Oh, wow. So she um, has so many accolades to her name. It's ridiculous. Uh, I'll just see what that um, that review said that I blacked out. Um, perceptive, deeply empathetic. Olive is the axis around which these 13 complex, relentlessly human narratives spin themselves into Elizabeth Strout's unforgettable novel in stories. And that is a review from, oh, the Oprah magazine. Um, so yeah, that kind of gives you a little idea of what it's about. Um, the book centers around this character, Olive Kitteridge, and she is a retired high school maths teacher. And we meet this whole kind of cast of characters around her family and people who um, live in the same town as her in Crosby, Maine. Um, uh, it's like a Stephen yeah. King novel. <laughs> um, but uh, in the first chapter, it's interesting. We, we don't really get to meet all of it all in the first chapter. And the, like I listened to it as an audiobook. The first chapter is nearly an hour long. Um, and we meet Henry Kitteridge, her lovely husband, who I just love. He's so nice. Um, and it's him kind of they're kind of coming into middle age in the first chapter and he's working in a pharmacy and there's this young girl who started working um, in the pharmacy. She's like 19, she's newly married and he kind of starts living vicariously through her and we actually watched their relationship develop and he's kind of coming to terms with like this wanting, you know, to be faithful to his wife but kind of we see him really falling in love with this girl. And then we think, I, I was thinking at the very beginning, I was like, there's like 17 chapters in this book. Where is it going to go from here? <laughs> um, but then we meet his wife, um, Olive, who, oh, when she first comes in, she kind of thunders into the book and she's just, she's a bit of a rip and she kind of seems to be tearing Henry down and she she's not pleasant. I, like at first I was like, mm, don't like this woman. Like kind of in the first few instances that we see her, she's tearing Henry down, kind of like, you know, deriding him and his relationship with this girl. And he's like, oh, why don't you just run off to your girlfriend? And she's snotty and kind of mean. Um, and then so that's that. That that whole chapter felt like a book in itself. And it kind of got tied with a little bow with a kind of open ending. We didn't really know what happens. So then I'm like, oh, 
next chapter where are we going to take it from here we go to another totally different person we go to <laughs> this guy who um you who you, you he moved to new york um he went back to crosby maine he's looking out at the seafront and we get the vibe that he's thinking of killing himself oh. and then he's kind of ruminating on this we learn a bit about his background and then someone is peering in the car window at him who is it it's olive kitteridge his high school maths teacher um and so breaking bad yeah so she kind of has it <laughs> she just has a conversation with him and it the whole book kind of continues on like this there's 13 separate short stories pretty much but olive kind of weaves herself in and out of them everyone in this book has a link to her whether it be small whether she's like you know their mother whether she was their maths teacher a lot of them are kind of like former students or just you know people she's friends with or like people she sees in the post office they're all linked to her in some way and she weaves in and out really beautifully and really like normally like we all weave in and out of each other's lives um and we kind of learn more about her as it goes along and she we get a really really full picture of who she is like she's a complicated character like she's not always pleasant she's done like you know she's been a difficult mother she's been you know she's very very fully fleshed out but we also see that she's witty and she's she's funny and like she does have a lot of time for people but she just has so much trouble opening up to people around her and actually showing her love like there's so many instances in the book between her and her son Christopher and Christopher oh god with Christopher we we learn a lot about that relationship he has a bit of a string of marriages and you know she doesn't understand him as he gets older he was this shy like but very intelligent child and her and he's an only son and we see their relationship develop as he gets older um and Olive can't understand why he wants to distance from her and yeah basically the whole book just paints this image of a really really well fleshed out character like we just it nothing specifically happens in each book every chapter has its own kind of climax and like things that happen but like they're just it's just like 13 different character analysis short stories in one book that Olive is just linked to and it's such it's really sad it's really beautiful it's really really lovely like I I love Olive so much I just want the best for her like it's kind of hard like to explain what this book is about because it's about so much it's it's about life over the course of 40 years in a small town but it's just so beautifully written and webbed out and Elizabeth Stroud is a genius (laughs) She has, I feel like I've either, either seen that book or has she sequel to it out? No, let me tell you that. There's a sequel I, I to this book. I recognised her name, but I didn't, it was like Olive Again. Olive Again, very good. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Uh, that's the sequel to it. And also this was developed into a HBO miniseries with Frances McDormand playing Olive, which like, oh, it's just guaranteed to be a good time. Oh, I um, love Frances um, McDormand. What I find really interesting, like, I don't know how you can develop this into a miniseries because it spans, like, a really long time. Frances McDormand is in Three Billboards. Yes, that's the one. Oh, she's fantastic. Like, she's a fabulous actress. And I have no doubt that she could do this role really well. But it's a hard one to turn into a miniseries. On one hand, it lends itself really well because, like, Mm. it's so many different stories. Mm -hmm. But also... 
getting one set of actors to play it must be difficult. They might not be doing it at at that um, big of a span. No, I think it takes... I think it takes the whole book and splits it into four episodes. But I wonder, I wonder, could they be doing it in that they do a quarter of each, like they flash between the chapters? If they're all yeah, I wonder, because like it's, I, I really want to watch it now, um, which is why I'm going to get now TV. Between that and Sex and the City, I need sure, to rewatch take it. Take I, I might do, I might do. <laughs> I really need some Sex and the City in my life. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, like we... I, I just really would like to see how they kind of do the whole timing thing because she starts out, we get the vibe she's like in her 40s and then she the book finishes when she's 74. Well, and I mean, it's it's much easier to make an actor look older than younger. That's very true as well. So, um, well, no, they can do the CGI stuff now, which is kind of freaky. Yeah, yeah very unrealistic looking CGI. I know, nowadays it's kind of mad. Yeah, I'm just dying to know. I'm going to watch it soon because like I loved the world of this book. And like, it's you know, it's not a happy, lovely world all the time. Like there's a lot of really sad stories and complicated characters in it. But like, oh, it's just such a rich book. Like, you know, it feels so much longer than it is because it's so detailed. And like, it's just one. Of, it's such a beautifully written book. And like, it has been criticized that people are like, literally nothing happened in this book. Like if you Google... <laughs> But that's All more, you know, when you have a character-driven book. That's the thing. It's totally character-driven. You know, and, and I think some people don't understand that there are books like that, that you're literally each, just in someone's mind sometimes. Exactly. And each chapter has an arc. And some of the arcs are kind of a bit mad. Like, they kind of come out of nowhere. Like, there's one with um, a terrorist attack in it, which kind of knock my socks off I was like off for a walk I was like oh, okay that's gonna happen here in a small town oh no they're being held hostage <laughs> um, so um yeah it's a funny one but like it just examines loads of different family dynamics um just loads of really different characters and they all feel really real and all their dialogue is very so believable and like that's really really hard to do when you have such a span of characters mm-hmm. But they are all as real as the next, and you just learn to love them all. And it's just such a beautiful book. Out of ten. Nine out of ten. Oh wow! Oh, we're on. Yeah, here. it's one of my favorite books I've read in a long time. <laughs> okay. And like, uh... I love, I love a good character-driven book. So, like, disclaimer: if that's not your thing, it's definitely not the book for you. But if you like Zadie Smith or anyone like this, mm. is a really, really great book. Like, loved it. It sounds like it could be an Oscar film. Yeah, it really does. I get, I get that vibe from it. Um, I like as love, in, I love that actress so much. So I'm like, sorry, like if you want a list of characters, I'm going to show you how long I have to scroll. <laughs> and yet, but yet, like, there's books I've read. Like if you read any like Russian literature, like you constantly have to flick back to the start to go back to the family tree and see who's who. <laughs> Whereas this, like, it's all really neat. Like here's our cast of characters. I, oh, I'm going to turn off my weird background for a sec because okay this is our list of characters <laughs> nice like, oh wow scrolling folks this yeah i'm still scrolling she's still scrolling i'm not scrolling slowly <laughs> <laughs> she's still going <laughs> so oh many God. characters yes but they're all so well written and so believable and uh, 
love this book totally recommend it like it's been good because I've reviewed a few books on here recently that I've not loved what was the last one that you were like oh oh, yeah um starling days oh yeah yeah hated it um and I I, hmm? (laughs) sorry if they listen backwards in podcasts like I do Spoiler. <laughs> like it's barely a spoiler I wear my heart on my sleeve with that one <laughs> um but yeah oh wow yeah. very two very high-ranking books so far also um if you if anyone is interested in reading it the audiobook um version of it narrated by Kimberly Farr is excellent it's very very good she narrates um all of um Elizabeth Strout's books oh um, and she has a great voice like she totally characterizes everyone without doing that horrible like um you know audiobook narrator thing of putting on totally different voices I am a man oh, now and I'm a woman now <laughs> I hate when they do that I prefer Maybe. for you to just read it to me literally Don't... Maggie Gyllenhaal reads Anna Karenina and there's so many characters and she doesn't change her voice for any of them and it's perfect <laughs> yeah no what was I I listened to um Rosamund Pike um reading um was it sense and sensibility that I listened to her reading and she changes her voice and like puts on all these and I was like (laughs) I I was like no and I think I used to listen to it like on the bus and things like that I was like I feel uncomfortable it's gone girl (laughs) don't like that but um anyway we should get on to my book I listened the photo in um this is for you Jim Mama so oh I'm very quiet there now. I know, yeah, because I was enthralled in the whole story. She forgot she's, she's not she's, 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 a, she's a good listener, Nikki. Yeah. She doesn't interrupt when we're talking. Oh, love this cover. Yeah. Mm. So you're gonna have to that looks like my sort of a cover. Yeah. So the book is Finley Donovan is Killing It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. By Ellie Cosmond. Yeah. Okay, this definitely looks like a gym mama book because it's it gym mama be- approved. Well, well, no, I I think the story is um going to be based um obviously there's a girl on the front of it and I think that um maybe um maybe maybe she uh, she's had kind of you know a, a, an upbringing where she's kind of a bit of plain Jane and she's been bullied at school and. And maybe not even bullied at school, but it's definitely not one of Miss uh, Popularity. That uh, that that that's as as Sally said. I'm not in the the mean girls group, and I'm not in the popular group. I'm just, and I'm not the one that's being bullied. I'm just the one in between all of that. So I love that. Uh, so what I think anyway is that she's always been kind of in the background, a bit of plain Jane, um, not the popular one, and she's suddenly gone on TikTok. She's Gen Z. Oh, wow. And she she starts off with, you know, something very simple on TikTok. And then suddenly somebody gets her, you know, very, maybe she's really um, uh, kind of quirky. And then, and suddenly quirky becomes the new thing. And she is, that's basically, she's killing it. She's uh, on the catwalk. She's doing all these TikToks and she's got hundreds of followers. And she needs a couple more than a hundred, Emma. All right, thousands, <laughs> millions of followers and everybody is sending her all free stuff to wear and uh, show off. And 
Is this like boomer related to Gen Z? Well, you know, so it goes when her glasses are broken. There's Mm. there's a twist, mom. You think there's a twist? Her glasses are broken. Broken. You think think they're broken, but that could be when she fell on the runway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I think definitely, her. yeah, yeah. No, I definitely think that um that 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 only looks broken, but that's She's actually cracks of legends. That's what it is. Yeah, really? <laughs> no, that's the cracks, you know, and you know, in the wallpaper, her coming out. Yeah, that's what. It, there's no, no. There's nothing sinister about cracked glasses. I is, think. Is that or killing style? it? It could be. Yeah. She's just... made a broken glasses the new trend. Spec savers hate her. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she's killing it. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. being killed. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'd like to think because it's pink that it's um, you know that it's it it's a bit girly and um, and that it's it's um, lighthearted. Killing it was written in red. So, but I I don't really think that that accounts to like killing it as in murder. I think it's killing it is kind of a positive positive swing on it slang word yeah killing it girl <laughs> killing it um yeah i don't i think that's what i'm gonna give you okay. not, i'm not as good you see at writing the stories like you i i am trying to write my own book but it's not going to be um anything adventurous like plug this. plug plug yeah, plug now we're going to <laughs> we actually might have our first actual author on the podcast oh my gosh yeah, <laughs> yeah you can you can play back this in 20 years time like when that's done um no i think that it i don't think i think it's enough it's a it's not a heavy book i think it's a kind of light-hearted knowing book. becca i feel like you're going to be bitterly disappointed <laughs> oh be light-hearted because becca's books have like Becca's books have been lighthearted recently. I have. I've I've been trying to um probably potentially not worrying my parents because they listen to this podcast and I think they're really <laughs> deeply concerned by the books I read. Um, but as well, kind of giving a little bit more uh, lighthearted stuff for people to read, especially at the moment. But um, no, I picked this book because it was a little bit more lighthearted, but um, oh. unfortunately, it doesn't match up with the story. <laughs> that we've been told um so this is actually um a 2021 book um not the first one i read that was published in 2021 but um it's hard there back it's uh it's about uh finley donovan and she's a struggling novelist um and she's a single mother of two children and there are two young children i think one of them is a toddler and the other one's about like maybe three or four so like difficult like age group to be looking after as a single mom so she's divorced after she found her ex-husband um cheating on her with their real estate agent uh yeah oh and let's say he's one of those characters i hate with such a passion he's slimy he is slimy i'm gonna i'm gonna he is a clammy clem he is a slime ball he is Oh, he's up there with some of my most hated characters. So it starts off with like, um, we meet her at like, and she is a mess. (laughs) She is an absolute mess. The house, um, he owns the house since the divorce and she pays rent to live there. And like, she is broke. Um, She's got piles of bills. um, And like, she's no lawyer now, like, because she hasn't been able to pay her bill for that. Her agent is on to her, like, where is your book? 
um, you are going to have to almost have to pay back the advances you've gotten so far. And like everything's just not going well for her. And um, she is decidedly not killing it. Like she is not killing it at the start of the book. She is she is a hot mess. And anyway, she's running around the house like one child is OK. Like she's like, OK, your husband, your dad can change the stinky nappy. I'm not doing it now. I don't have time. And she's also like, this is a bit of revenge. Um because he treats her so badly and then the other child which is I can't remember the little girl's name but she's after cutting her own hair oh. and she's after a really bad, really bad job Marlene did Nikki ever do that <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um but uh her like I as when I was reading this bit all I could think of was, was the time my sister cut her hair right before we were going on holidays oh, no. and my mom just came up to her sewing box and found like this long these long strands of hair beside the sewing scissors and her running downstairs and like it was only on one side so one side was really long on the other <laughs> side it was like chopped to there um by her shoulder my, my and... baby sister um cut her tooth with a, a nail clippers oh my what? god <laughs> Not me. Oh, my That's God. the most That's horrifying thing I've ever well. heard. Because when she was redrawing, her hair just mm. come down into her eyes. So she just cut, was <laughs> doing something and just cut it. Right I feel I feel like every child goes through that phase of like wanting to cut their hair. I personally went through I my didn't. phase that at the age of 18. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, the daughter has mangled her hair and she's like, look. And she's like, mom, fix it. It looks really bad. And I have to go to kindergarten or whatever. And the mom's like, and then the daughter's like making it even worse by going, daddy would fix it. Daddy would know what to do. Ooh. So anyway, they go and get a roll of duct tape. Like, <laughs> <laughs> air to her head and like hide it with a hat. And like, she's just, the Finley is just losing it because she's like, my babysitter is late. Like, where is the babysitter anyway? She rings the the ex-husband, Stephen, and tells him, like, the babysitter hasn't turned up. I'm going to have to leave the kids with you. And he is after firing the babysitter without telling her. Levels of uh, awfulness. Yeah. He didn't tell her. Yeah. But do they hire the babysitter between them? Uh, It was for her to look after the kids so that she can write. Um, Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the babysitter have been working for him necessarily, but like, obviously he paid for it because yeah. Finley has no money. And uh, he's like, look, it's just not an expense. I, d- I didn't think you'd needed it. And you're there kind of going, <laughs> lovely. Aren't you such a lovely man? So anyway, um, she goes and meets her agent and they're starting having a, a talk about the book. And Finley has, I don't think she started it. Well, she's done like three rewrites and it's gotten nowhere. And the agent is like, you have to send it to the editor. Like they are fuming. Um, they need something. And anyway, she starts making up this babble of like, oh, it's about murder. And she starts describing like, I need to do more research into this. And then she Can starts talking the about podcast? like, pro- <laughs> she starts talking about things. But anyway, there's a woman beside her, like giving her really funny looks. And when the agent leaves anyway, um, Finley notices that this woman has left a piece of paper on the table. And she's like, what? Uh, so anyway, she opens it and it's a, na- a man's name, the- a mobile number and $50,000 written on it. And she's like, what is going on? So anyway, she rings the number and... Your life story now, mom. 
so she rings the number anyway and the woman wants her to murder her ex-husband for her for fifty thousand dollars or murder her husband and immediately she's like no you got the wrong idea like no 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 and anyway she's like no i want it done he's gonna be here tonight so anyway um she keeps saying that she's not gonna do it and things like that and um like we get into this relationship that she has with her husband and he's now still, he's engaged now to the real estate agent and um, things like that. And she starts when she goes to collect the children, then Stevens says he's going to go for full custody. And this just completely um, shatters her. Really her last shred of hanging on to something is that he's going to take the kids and saying that she's a terrible mom and things like that. So, it's she becomes a contract killer pretty much um and it's like completely outlandish the things that happen um along the way like her sister is a cop and she's there like i just turned myself in <laughs> and like things like that and it's it's completely like it is hilarious at times um the things that go on through it um like finley she, she's really relatable and she's like completely um guilt-ridden after things that happen and you know she's trying to cover evidence but then she's making it worse and like there's a nosy neighbor that she's like oh my god what if she's seen me killing him and things like that so um along the way like we meet some other supporting members of the cast obviously uh the babysitter comes back and like she's great um she's the complete opposite of finley really like she's very organized and like she suddenly becomes her like partner in crime almost and like it's just it's kind of um what I wanted Nikki's book from the first episode to kind of be about like a badass woman just killing these men that deserve it. No one <laughs> yeah. deserves to be dead. Or do we killed. find out about all the men? That's going like to be we, we do. Like she does research on all of them because she's like, oh my Ooh. God, no. And um, things like that. And, you know, she tries to dig herself out of the mess. And then what makes it all worse was she, she starts writing a, her book, but it's all based on everything that's happened she, like she like, details the murder and everything <laughs> and she sends it off to her agent and she's like oh my god this is a bad idea and they love it they love it and she's like oh my god um, it just could never happen in real life it it's could just never so happen in real life so like her her um love interests in the book she's got two of them um they're also involved in law enforcement and she's like hmm like at most at any point does she stop and go I should really kind of not do this <laughs> do you know um like it is it's really really funny um and things like that I mean I will say I hate Stephen with a such a passion many many times in this episode I'm probably going to say it but um he is awful I mean he is just a pretty much a serial cheater um even on the current uh fiance it seems it's- he's cheating on her Ooh, I, I don't clan. think you can be a cheater without being a serial cheater. Yeah, and I think oh. it's he's kind of um he's always everything goes his way, and he's always kind of come out of situations still the better person. You know, she says that she doesn't have any friends anymore because he took all the friends. Um, you know, he got everything in the divorce pretty much because he had the better lawyer, and you know now he's swimming in money and she's nothing and she's. I mean, it's it's really concerning when you read it. Like at the start, you're like, oh my God, how is this poor woman managing with two kids? And he's- well, look at her now. She's a boss babe. She's boss babe, uh, yeah. murdering people. Um, I was saying, Nikki, it's it's what I wanted from your book from the first episode, the Nikki Griffin book, <gasps> that she was a badass killing men that were bad people. Um, Take so, note, S.A. Lil Chuck. Yeah. 
um so it is it is great and um like I really like the two like lead female characters Vero and um Finley but yeah I I thought it was it was a really entertaining read and like it, it's fun it's it is completely outlandish you know none of this would happen in real life and um like there's even stuff with the mafia coming in and all that like it is dramatic <laughs> to the sure very end happen in real life yeah, is El Cosman coming out with like a tell-all biography next year? Um, well, it looks like this is going to be the first of a series of books because at the end she leaves it off in a very big cliffhanger. Um, and I will probably read the next one because it is entertaining. And Finley is just such, she's such a hot mess, like the whole way through. Um, like she is great. And um, I'm kind of interested. I want Stephen to get some form of comeuppance along the way. I really hate him. Oh, it'll uh, happen. Well, there has to be a second book if he didn't get it in the first. Yeah, he didn't get it in the first. And I'm like, come on. Just how we um, find out she has a 10 book contract. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to um, pay herself to sort him out. But yeah, with um, her name's El Casimano, I think. Oh, I think she's oh, framing. Praying. I'm not going to say more, uh, but it, uh, <laughs> the, the author is El Casmano and she grew up in Washington, D.C. Um, in her bio, she writes that uh, she found her true calling when she was studying social and behavioral, um, behavioral studies in college. And she actually set aside a successful real estate career to pursue writing. Now, the, the fact that she had Parallels. her in real estate <laughs> And then you're like, you write this horrible character as a real estate agent. Like Teresa, his his uh, Stephen's now fiance, she's not likable at all. So at there's a bit of tea there. Huh? Like, and I'm there, like, hmm, hmm, this is interesting. Um, like I don't like her either, but Stephen's worse. Um, and uh, this isn't her first book. Um, her debut thriller, Nearly Gone, was a finalist for the Edgar Award in 2015. But she writes thrillers, mysteries and speculative fiction for adults and teens. So I think she's been in the more YA kind of um, side, but it was a really entertaining read. I would recommend for someone kind of looking for something a bit like, more lighthearted. Um, yeah. And if you were disappointed by the Nikki Griffin book by S, <laughs> what is it? S. S.A. Yelchuk. S.A. Yelchuk. Lelchuk, don't know how I'm saying that. I would uh, read this because it's um, she's much more relatable and like properly written. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, this book cover just tells me like it puts me in my place and it puts me in my box of knowing that I am being marketed to as a millennial woman. <laughs> <laughs> it has um, the right color palette. It has the right font. <laughs> no, I it's, found it's really that um, millennial starts on 1995 or no, ends on 1995. So apparently we are actually Gen Z. Girl, you've been clinging into this for two weeks now. <laughs> Thank you to the gym, mama. <laughs> Woo! First guest. First guest in our hearts. So do you go listen to the FCPGM podcast. I, Nikki is literate. Yeah, she is. Nikki knows how to read, shockingly. <laughs> the reading podcast. So go listen to the FCPGM podcast for uh, more of our favorite residential gym mama. <laughs> the Gen X kid. <laughs> put that one in my uh, in my uh, bio now. Next Gen X kid. <laughs> um, thanks, girls. Oh, and yeah, thank you for thank, thank you. Books now that it's got to go away and get and <laughs> <laughs> Although I, 
there's actually three. Rebecca, could you not like maybe write the one that you were? <laughs> oh, all of Kitteridge. I'll start writing. I'll start that writing. Is my that we all need in this crew it'll world. Be a screenplay, and it'll be sold at auction to Hallmark. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I also really want a Mamma Mia movie set in Romania. <laughs> or sorry, not Romania, Croatia. Croatia. My next uh, ep- uh, series two, uh, book two of that series will be set in Romania. There we yeah. go. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad someone recommended Olive Caterage to me though because like based on that cover oh, you saw <laughs> I love how you can't see it <laughs> and I, I talk with my hands so much and they don't really they just get lost no. in space <laughs> but um, but like I would have never read Olive Caterage based on that cover not in a million years <laughs> yeah it's a terrible cover but the, the new it. the cover that's like out in Ireland at the moment for the actual physical copy is lovely and like the one for Olive again is gorgeous. Yeah, they, they're the same kind of style of cover, mm-hmm. um, and they're lovely. But um, oh, I just want to read that book. Like I'm so sad I finished it. The cover of a book is really important. Mm. It is like it, and I will judge them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I go and I, I mean, you know, like it, it's, it, it's, it, I buy books because of. I say I do a lot of books that are history and economics and all of that sort of thing. I love, but if I'm going to, if I'm going into a bookshop, it's the cover, the prettiness of the cover. That's the or, thing. It's like, like it's so important. What will draw me to something that I don't know anything about and just pick it yeah. up randomly but cover is so important and some people are so bland with the cover exactly and then there's books that like I've adored that have awful covers like that like Maeve Bingey Circle Friends Hand on Heart one of my favorite books I've ever read and it's almost a similar vibe in a way to the I cover of Olive Page yeah yeah the green yeah and like it... but I think that might have been the style of when those books like were published like remember when we did you did uh Rachel's Holiday like that cover mm. was not good yeah like when I yeah. see those kind of covers I automatically think of when we used to go on holiday and people would leave their books behind at the hotel yeah, exactly <laughs> that's the that's the vibe they've reissued all the Walsh sisters books um by Marion Keys and I saw them in Tesco and they were like all in like the same exact style like just totally plain cover with like you know the same font and everything and they're lovely and now I want them all <laughs> so. I love the first edition I love I have to get the first edition of a book I I like yeah, that I like I, the um I like the the bigger writing and I uh, do like that myself and yeah, some people I, hate it like I'm in a yeah. house full of first edition haters but no, I love a good first edition, like the Ian you know, McBride books. We can all agree that the worst type of book is the now a motion picture. Yeah, I was literally oh. just about to say it. I will not buy a now a motion picture book, even though I have one of like Chocolat. Oh, and yeah. I was listening to guys, Nikki, I can't remember if you just recommended it or you actually listened to it, but the Sentimental Garbage podcast, the Caroline O'Donnell. I didn't one. listen yet. It's it's amazing. Like lads, you love it. I think Chocolat. I've listened to the first like ten minutes of the podcast, but oh, there's a really it's, funny it's, it's podcast so out there. It's the God podcast. You have God. to the God I, podcast, and okay. himself and Jonah Bark actually interview like Moses and everything. <laughs> it is absolutely it's hilarious. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant, and he actually um. Um, interviews maybe you know kind of really um, people who have done horrendous things to to uh, humans while they were alive and you know all for on in his, on his behalf and do you know what I mean and it's just it's just so funny I won't say anymore but you definitely we, have to listen to it do we actually know who 
who is behind the podcast or is it I hope it's Carl Pilkington I don't yeah no I didn't really look into it that much now so I don't know but look it's hilarious you know I can I give a shout out because one of your podcasts there earlier and you did the Thursday Murder Club Mm. yes and there was a lovely lady sent me um um on Instagram when I posted that book she sent me a message on Instagram and her name is um, Anne Wedgwood and she uh, sent me a book and it was The Botanist because she said if you like this oh I've heard about this and you love it and I must say absolutely Hmm. fabulous book I really really enjoyed it so do you know so I'm going to give her a shout out because um, I think she'll she'll listen to your podcast and she might be a guest someday oh there you go Anne so with that uh, we'll say goodbye for now Uh, thank you to our very special guest and uh, till next time thank you dear mama Bye. bye bye